Someone asked me recently, what is the coolest part of my job as CEO at Clear Motor Marketing? I said, well, that's easy. The fact that every day I get to dig into our clients' businesses to learn not only what makes it tick, but what we can do as their partner to deliver the marketing that truly matters to their business. It's like being in a living, breathing case study every day. And for that, I am truly blessed. Hello, Collisions YYC listeners. It's with an overwhelming sense of pride that I wanted to share with you that the marketing agency that I had the pleasure of co-founding and leading is turning 15 years old. Yes, their motive marketing is 15. I wanted to shout out a huge thank you to all of our clients, past and present, as well as our vendors and all of the incredible team members we've worked with over the years to make this milestone possible. Check us out at clearmotive.ca to learn more about what we can do that matters to you. Hello and a warm collision to YYC. Welcome to my returning guest this morning, Mr. Alex Putisi. How are you, Alex? Doing great, man. How are you doing? Good to see you. Oh, man. So good to connect. I was going back into my archives, which you and I have been bullshitting a little about here. Uh, you and I first, our first date, as I affectionately like to refer to it as, uh, July 2nd, 2019, you were on uh, They Just Get It back in the early days when I was super wet behind the ears, uh, if, if that's a thing to somebody say that anymore, as a podcast host. And then again, you were my first episode of Current and Critical. We, You came on back in um, November 2019. Wow, the world has changed. To talk about WeWork and the the implosion or the explosion or whatever happened there. So thanks for coming back on, man. It's been a journey, and uh, I, I, it's why I do this podcast. That's the first time you and I had met and got to know each other, and f- three, four years later, I'm happy to call you a friend. <laughs> yeah, man, I agree. I love it. Um, first of all, you're welcome. And uh, yeah, <laughs> no, but looking forward to it, man. This is cool. I can't believe it's been that long. Like that, that's been a minute. Um, and yeah, so, a hot uh, minute. <laughs> you know, and and the WeWork. Uh, gong showery is apparently still happening. So yeah, here, here I, we are. Totally, I was laughing. I'm like, that doesn't feel like it, it went away. But no. hey, let's 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 set the stage. Where I, I don't want to be that podcaster that we we chat about how we met and how we know each other. Tell us what you do in the world. You are entrepreneur, community builder, founder. Work nicer co-working. What's what the heck is a work nicer for anybody who doesn't potentially know, which I believe a lot of people do. Tell us what you guys are all about. Mm. Oh, well, thanks, man. I think um yeah, there, as much as there's some people who know, there's think there's a lot of people who don't. I think there's still a lot of people who are unfamiliar with the concept of co-working, let alone work nicer. But mm. yeah, you know, base level, work nicer, co-working. Lots of people think of that as shared office flexible office like those are some of the terms getting tossed around but you know i think the thing that work nicer's always been is this community of people <clears throat> you know you get it um working from home sucks being part of a remote team is difficult whatever it is like life is hard life's not always the easiest thing and you know <laughs> being around people you know is what makes it work it's what pushes us to get through it's where we learn and so work nicer at a you know really at a foundational level is that place. What does that mean day to day? What does it look like? You know, we provide, you know, office space for teams of one to 100, you know, so everything from your stay at home side hustle entrepreneur, all the way up to, you know, our largest client is a 70 person team from Telus and everything in between. And uh, there's four work nicer outposts in Calgary, two in Edmonton. Uh, we're the largest co-working community in the province, and there's about 1,400 members. Um, you know, so we provide you know workplace basics, so space, furniture, internet, printing, uh, boardrooms. Um, but then we got fun stuff like beer on tap and dogs running around and great events for people to meet at, and you know. At the end of the day, our job is to provide a toolbox for people to build whatever it is that they're going to build. 
Very cool. And you guys have been doing this since 2015. I'm creeping on your LinkedIn right now. November 2015. Yeah, very end of 2015. So end of this year will be eight years, which is wild. Congratulations. There's a series of, of, of business statistics that you broke just right there by, by surviving. You and I joked earlier about sometimes just sticking with something has some gravitas to it. So kudos. <laughs> kudos thank you. Man. Thank you, man. Well, you made, and you made it through some interesting times. Let's not forget you and I met uh, pre-COVID and uh, not that I want to talk a lot about that, but the world of work and how we think about work and what was possible for so many companies with work remote or well, we had no choice, right? Let's, let's start with that. We all got sent home, but the world needed to keep moving forward in a lot of ways, certainly from a professional or a work or services or whatever industry you happen to be in. If you were lucky, if you're, and I say lucky enough to be a knowledge worker, you could just take your computer and now work literally from any, from anywhere. So let's talk a little bit about, let's not spend a lot of time talking about the pandemic, but how, what impact did that have on your business? And because what I really want to get to is how things have shifted in your world of work, remote, in office, from home since then is what I'm really curious about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I know. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily want to, you know, just do another, hey, pandemic story or pandemic. <laughs> Completely. Thank I, I, you. I get that. Um, you. At the, you know, at the same time, I think you know it's it. Pandemic was a really interesting thing for well, obviously everybody, but in our industry, right? We. Yeah. I just went. I just talked about you know we're base level. We're a people business. We're a hospitality business, right? And so. Um, we built a whole company and a whole community on getting people out of the house and connected to each other. And then that was basically illegal for a little while. Right? <laughs> yes. um, and as, as, as insane as that sounds when we look back on it, but yes, it was. <laughs> right? I know, and <laughs> um, it was, uh, and what's crazy, like as much as we tried, there's not great takeout options for co-working, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so it was, uh, it was curbside a real... delivery. Curbside delivery for you was hard. Yeah, <laughs> it was hard, but we tried. We literally, we, we brought desks and chairs and monitors to people's houses. You know, we tried all sorts of crazy stuff, but, um, you know, so really, it, yeah, it was crazy, man. It was wild. But early on, we recognized as a team, like we knew, first of all, we knew that this wasn't going to be two weeks to bend the curve. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, I didn't, I, you know, we didn't think it was going to last as long as it did, um, nor do we want it to. But we knew that the longer that it lasted, the more that it would validate what we do. Right. So <clears throat> the pandemic, you know, it boosted the learning curve for for everybody in terms of how to do work differently, hybrid work, remote work. There's a different way to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really it taught the rest of the world what WorkNacer members already knew. And so, you know, if we could make it through, which was a big if, you know, um, and I'm sure we'll dive into that maybe a little bit, but, you know, for real, I, I was staring down the barrel of a bankruptcy gun and uh, one of the people on my team, he said to me at one point, he's like, hey, there's no such thing as double bankrupt. Right. And so, and uh, that very much I've resonates. Never, I've heard. I've never heard that before. <laughs> and that really resonates with me from a risk taking perspective. I'm like, you're right. Like, what's the worst thing that could happen? That's like, that was the topic of my whole talk at Fuck Up Nights, you know, a while back. And yep. um, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, yep, let's let's do this thing. And so we, you know, we leaned in and doubled down, and um, you know, we really bet hard on our claim that our differentiator was community as much as that's kind of a buzzword for a lot of people. Uh, and it turns out that the people that, you know, the community wanted Workmaster to be there afterwards, you know? And so, um, 
I don't know if that answers your question or if you want me to keep going on. No, no, I think we we can unpack it, what you did and how you survived it. But again, more interested in kind of how things have emerged. So let's now fast forward. Let's fast forward a little bit. We've came out of COVID. Your thesis or your, you know, proposition around, hey, people are going to walk community even more. There's going to be that rubber band effect where we've gone so far in another direction. Now we want to be together. So how is business, you know, when, when was the pandemic over for you guys? Like what, what's the, what's the date and time, like the pre and post, like we're in it to like, okay, I think it's over. And now we're back to a new version of our business now. You know what? That's such, it's such an interesting question. And I think it's, um, a little bit different for WorkNacer than it is for Alex. Um, which I've only recently discovered actually. Um, I like that. Right. So I thought it was over quote unquote, I don't know, uh, nine months ago, maybe, I don't know, a while back, right? Like maybe not a full year, pushing a year, somewhere like that, where we saw that people, you know, old members were coming back. Um, enterprise companies and big companies were starting to look at new options. You know, it's like, okay, this thing's over, it's coming back. But the reality being, you know, from a WorkNacer perspective, like we're still dealing with some battle wounds. You know, we took on debt, we're figuring that stuff out. Um, We completely restructured the business. Like what was one corporate entity is now like 12, you know, and we're figuring out how to do that from an actual like grown up business perspective and so on and so forth. Like, you know, we've matured a ton as a company and as an organization. But for me personally, you know, I thought like, like I am, I am uniquely suited to deal with pressure compared to a lot of people. Um, I always perform better when my back is up against the wall. When the and bullets so, are flying, when the bullets are coming in. Yeah, yeah man. Like truly. <laughs> you, you, so, you and me both. <laughs> yeah. I, I think love you, it. Yeah, yeah. I love well, it. and you were just talking about some of your hobbies before we hit record. And that that <laughs> yeah, makes yeah, a lot of sense completely. to me. Um, but yeah, well, even so, my, even myself, like the, where clear motive was before that I, I was a bit disillusioned. I didn't really love my own company anymore Then all of a sudden. And I say that a bit, it's long enough. Now I can say that without being like, what, what did you just say? But it's honest. And, and as a CEO or as a leader, as an owner, as a founder, you go through some of those shitty times, but we paint this picture where we have the cape on and everything's always awesome. But there's times where you're like, ah, but man, once COVID hit and the bullets started flying and we had to solve real problems, we had to solve them fast. I, I loved it and hated it all at the same time. <laughs> oh, I, I'm with you. It, it, it kept me going, but oh my God, it was hard. I remember this one moment, not to get on pandemic stories or whatever, but yeah, yeah we're, I, we're doing what we said we weren't going to do. I know. But I said to my wife, I'm like, I don't want to go to bed because I don't want to wake up. And then I realized like how fucked up that was. <laughs> yeah, that's dark, man. That's dark you know? <laughs> on a lot of levels, man. I know. Um, but, but I appreciate was, your honesty. And well, I've been yeah. on the fuck up night stage, and so have you. And like that's we we often don't share enough of those stories, and people see that as they don't see it as real. Oh, you're no. just always positive, and you're always moving forward. I'm like, oh man, there's some dark spots in between the, those two points. <laughs> yeah, it is though. Like. Um, Anyway, all that to say. Anyways, we made it through me, and here we are. Let's not get too dark. Here, yeah, 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 and for me, you know, I think so in terms of when it was over, I, I thought it was really over for me personally, like where I was like kind of out of any of that stuff. Yep. Um, probably at least six months ago, I knew I still had like shit to deal with, but that's my job and that's fine. But only in the last like three months have I actually felt this whole other weight <clears throat> lift where it's like oh, oh my, cool. oh my right gosh on. there's just been this like cloud and this fog and this <sighs> like 
attitude that I didn't realize was there. I'm like, man, I was carrying way more than I thought I was, and for much longer than I thought I was. The, ba- the backpack was full, had more bricks in it than you realized. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, long answer to your question, but there you have it. No, I, I love it. So from a business perspective, you know, kind of six nine months ago, reality things started moving back. But I do appreciate that little bit of the the humility and just the, you know, you've I've done both episodes. They just get it, which really dives more to the human side and collisions, which where we go. It's all about work, but you know who's you know who's doing work stuff? People, humans, <laughs> and all and all of our messiness. So y- you've got a little bit of more bounce in your step. I'm, that's my words, not yours. But things are feeling a little bit better. Talk to me about your customer base. Talk to me about the world of work. And I'm, I'm going to, for fun for today, I'm on the work from anywhere camp. Like there's no tomorrow because we've gone all in on that as a company. And after 15 years running this company, this is the best version of it it's ever been. And I do believe the empowerment and the freedom that people have to choose, which I think is a big part of this, has contributed to that. So I'm a big advocate, but I also have enough wherewithal to go, yeah, but there's a lot of different criteria and people in different situations and the nature of our business. So I tend to lean more on that camp, but, and I still look at the multi-perspectives of not all companies, people, humans, work environments are created equal. I would agree with you. Actually, I, I think work from anywhere has honestly been, you know, from a work nature perspective has always been the opinion. <clears throat> We've said all along that, hey, it's like you shouldn't feel like you have to go to work nicer or anywhere. Much like yeah, yeah. I think though people, you shouldn't feel like you have to work from home. We, we, had, we did that for a minute and that was not great. You know, like even people who love to work from home and claim to be more productive and all this stuff. It's like, if that's your only option, that's not great. But I think that, you know, so work from anywhere works when you put intention to it, much like anything. I think a lot of, you know, business owners and CEOs out there are saying, hey, we need people to get back to the office for culture. But it's like, if you're not being intentional about that culture, it's not going to work. So it's the same you thing mean with throwing work. a whole bunch of people onto a boilerplate floor of open concept and calling it culture isn't actually culture. Yeah, go figure. It, it, right? It, it it is a form of culture. It's just probably not what you intended when you said the word in front of your <laughs> town hall. <laughs> I love that. Actually, it is a form of culture. It is right because it's not like yeah. culture doesn't exist. You're right, and so it, it's like anything. It's intention, um, and I think that you know it is work from anywhere. It's options uh, because. People need different things at different times. And this goes for like micro and macro, right? This is this is on a day-to-day, hour-to-hour level and on a season-to-season, year-to-year, week-to-week, whatever level. I think, you know, it depends on what you're working on in your business and how, what's going on at home and how that affects you at work. Yeah, yeah. And do I need something where <clears throat> it's a little bit more social and jovial and uplifting? And is that, the, is that the fill that I need today so I can be my best self tomorrow? Right. And if you're just sitting in the same room at the same desk, no matter where it is, like that just, it just doesn't work. It just does not work if that's your only option. I love that because really it's about, you know, not, I think personalization is a word that gets sometimes overused as well. But someone said some yesterday because it really comes down to agency, to feeling that you have the ability to choose and you have the ability. I like what you say. Like, what do I need today? So I'm filled up tomorrow. And it's not, it's not the same thing. It's not the hour of, you know, oh, just the thought of sitting at a desk for 40 hours. Uh, yeah, but different desks and different environments with different views with different people. That's a very, you know, humans are much more that way than we are automatons that like, you know, file in, punch the clock and sit at the same desk and sharpen the same pencil at the same time of day. Like I'm just picturing movie where, you know, that, that 1984 almost style or, <laughs> well, the, yeah, or this... the, or the Apple, the famous Apple ad, which is, you know, 1984. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and let's say, and this isn't the assembly line, you know, Ford industrial revolution. Yeah. That's not what we are. Right. We're, you know, this is not what we're doing anymore. 
So and again, you work in a world that? with knowledge knowledge workers, right? And I think I think there are people that still. And I always want to give a caveat. I was talking to a good friend of mine who runs a very successful machine shop, and he's like, Tyler, I I'm looking forward to retiring because I have to be here every day, and I'm kind of done with it. And it's, he was very honest. It's a very successful business, but he goes, I can't do my job from home. So he goes, I'm very envious. I just don't want to lose fact that I feel privileged also to be in, a, in, a, in an organization and have a career and chosen a path of work of of delivering value to clients that they really don't care where we are as long as we deliver the value that was agreed upon or shifts halfway through the project. So there is there is a, a, a privilege and a gift to being a knowledge worker in that way. Absolutely there is. Yeah, it's and you're right. There's certain certain jobs and careers and responsibilities that yeah do not have the luxury of time or place for sure. Mm. So with the teams that talk to me a little bit about, I love, you know, one to a hundred and, you know, you've got an example of, you know, the, the, the off the corner of your desk, entrepreneur, solopreneur, side hustle. I love that side hustle has become such a thing. <laughs> you know, entrepreneur was a dirty word when I was in school. That's what you did when you couldn't get it, make it in the real world. Exactly. <laughs> like, it means I you were unemployable. That hundred <laughs> percent. I take it. Someone told me I was unemployable years ago. It was the nicest thing they've ever said to me. I took it as a compliment <laughs> and I embraced it. Um, but when you see organizations like that, uh, everything from the one to the, to the, to the 70, I'm assuming they're not at your place 40 hours a week. They come in when it suits them. Like there's so much, sounds like there's so much more agency or autonomy to do what's best for you from your own observation of people coming and going. What are the trends you're kind of seeing and have they shifted or have we kind of gone back to where we were again, pre COVID? No, definitely shifted. We're, we okay. see companies that, um, you know, I'd say from wait, our customer base, our member base is yeah. trending larger, um, mm. not because we're boxing out the, you know, side hustle, entrepreneurs, freelancers, solopreneurs. Okay. Just I, I think part of it too is because, yeah, yeah I, I think part of it's because we're growing too, right? And so I think that we are able to cater to companies that we couldn't in the past, right? We mm, Okay. Okay. You know, when we started, you know, like our one of our first spots was only 8,000 square feet. And so mm-hmm. how can, you know, now there's almost, I think we're right around 100,000 square feet total, you know? And so it's kind of oh, like, okay, cool. you know, you can do a lot more stuff when you have more stuff to do stuff with, <laughs> right? Um, and so I think, yeah. <laughs> Like it's a t-shirt, it's a bumper sticker. You do more stuff. We have more stuff to do stuff with. I'm like, no, I love words of wisdom. I get it. I love it. I think. I mean, honestly, I think we overcomplicate shit most of the time. But um, yeah, but yeah, I think companies are yeah they're trending larger. Um, but it's it's organizations and companies that had you know leases in the past that say I don't need and it's not even necessarily companies that whole had full floor plates of stuff it could be but it's people who had 2000 3000 4000 5000 square feet and they had a team of whatever it was 10 to 50 and they're like you know what we don't have that many people anymore cuz at least not locally cuz we've hired yeah. remotely we still want a home base. We see value in that. We need somewhere, you know, to have meetings and, you know, all like this kind of like really tangible, practical stuff. But it's also the place for employees and teammates to get together. And, you know, so lots of people will, you know, like, okay, work nice. There's that toolbox. So people can use it however they want to use it. So some people are doing the, all right, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you come into the office. There's lots of companies that are doing that thing. Other people say, hey, management will be in every day of the week. You just have to come in at least once. Other people, and I love this, you know, <clears throat> obviously it seems a little bit biased, but some people will say, hey, you don't have to come into the office ever, but you have to go to one WorkMacer event a month. 
or something like that. And so <laughs> I really, can see why that might be one of your favorites. <laughs> but what I love about it is the creativity, yeah, not what, just what's because the, what's it the serves point? us. Like what, what's the why behind that is what I, I think is the interesting part of it. Right. And so they're, you know, they're truly leaning into, you know, work nicer as like culture, as a service. It's like, Hey, I don't have to reinvent a lot of this stuff. I can culture use as this a service oh, yeah, right? yeah, nice. to augment culture. Um, and so, yeah, we're seeing lots of companies like that. And like you said, they're not necessarily all in every day. It might be a team of 20 that has this one office that's set up to handle five or six people. And then they just, you know, we call it breathability. So people can breathe, you know, in and out of their like dedicated office into the open co-work area. And, you know, from a design perspective, we often try to make sure that there is this open area <coughs> very close to each office. So that way, you know, whether it's your high like remote team that's coming in, or maybe you're working with some contractors on a project and they're coming in for a one month period, they can work in close proximity to your office. You know, so really it is that toolbox and that flexibility that we've created, you know, just to help people like, do their best work. Mm, culture as a service. I like that. Not everyone's good at being cool, right? Like that, like, and I, I say cool is a very broad, sweeping, sweeping term. Like, totally. Oh, hey, look, we put in a foosball table. It means we have a good culture. I'm like, no, no, it doesn't mean that. It just means you have a foosball table. That's all that means. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, like, oh, I saw this on something. The Google did this, and then we did it. And now our office is cool. I'm like, mm, is it? I don't know. <laughs> That's the <laughs> easy part. Yeah, to, to, yeah. To, but buying furniture is always easier than actually creating something. When you saw, I like your comment about working with larger companies. I'm thinking, you know, you are at a place now where you can better connect with them, and we all grow up I'm, I'm just even of our own journey like there's companies that we have now that if we got them in our early years we probably would have blown it because we weren't ready for them either but i'm also thinking about i'm a large organization i have a big floor plate but i'm forward thinking enough to go hey listen if i force everybody back the square peg in the round hole of you must fill our space because we've we're committed to a 10-year lease or we built out or whatever and i go hey but if i give my team a couple days a week at a place like work nicer hmm, that's an interesting way to kind of balance out everyone's objective because I, because there's a get it factor, and I want to retain good people, and good people want more agency in their in their life. So I don't know maybe reading between the lines and giving big companies more credit, but I, that feels to me like a good way to kind of cross a, check a few things off the list while still keeping your big office downtown, because that's maybe just who you are. And the companies that get it get it. Some don't, yeah, 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 right? Yeah, yeah. You know, especially if decisions like that are made at you know uh, CFO, controller, VP, finance type, you know. <clears throat> level which it's spreadsheet decision making and decisions you know that may have a financial impact but it's lagging right because you lose good people and you have to hire new people and that costs money and you know so being able to tie that stuff together um and we see actually so not even from a culture and a people perspective which i think is huge i think a lot of people you know are getting the fact that oh like i can lean into work nicer and i can give my people a place to go and have water cooler conversations and make friends with people who don't do the same thing as me right so it's not like it's not like forced combo you know it's like and i don't have to talk about uh whatever my industry is <clears throat> all day long i get to talk yeah. about their stuff and i get to learn and maybe bring that back but the other part of it that massive companies are really getting is that leases are huge liabilities and they're very expensive <clears throat> to maintain even relatively small leases because like even if a large company is going to do a 2500 square foot lease in downtown calgary that requires executive time which is extremely expensive period no matter what it shows up on the balance sheet 
as a liability and forward-looking liability. There's unpredictable costs associated with op costs and property taxes and mm-hmm. variability. And now companies like that are understanding like the true holistic cost of a lease. And they're saying, I don't want to deal with that. I want to pay my four or five, 600 bucks, whatever it is per person, and just have a membership like a gym. And it just shows up. They take care of all my technology. I don't need an executive to look at the agreement. I don't need lawyers to look at the agreement because it's not... Because it doesn't have five or 10 years of liability tied to it. Mm. Right? And so people are getting that. They're saying, yeah, no problem. That's easy. Because what are you going to save per person by doing something else? Even if it's half, let's just say, from a pure lease perspective, um, but it doesn't take into account all the other ancillary costs and not even mm-hmm. just like yep. intangible it's very tangible but un un like non understood costs and so that's probably like one of our largest struggles is <clears throat> helping these small-ish to medium-ish sized companies who aren't necessarily like they don't have CFOs and advisors that look at things holistically to actually say hey this is the true cost of X. And in our case, it'd be, here's the true cost of space, you know? Um, and so mm-hmm. then they look at it, they see a lease, especially in a market where there's 30% vacancy still. And like, oh, I can go over here and save a ton of money. Um, and so take all the, f- you know, fluffy culture stuff out of it, which is actually like highly valuable, but pr- let's pretend it has a value of $0. Yep. You know, you actually, unfortunately it doesn't it. make it onto a spreadsheet very often in that way with the dollar figure side to it. Exactly. But even if it did, you look at the real numbers, even from a pure spreadsheet perspective, it's a better deal. Hmm. And, and COVID forced people to take a hard look at some of that in a way that, well, I have a company, so therefore I have to have an office where it's like, well, no, maybe I don't have to like that formula. I do love how that got escalated and we could never work remote, but yet people did <laughs> almost in every company that said it could never happen. Because again, necessity is the mother of all motivators. So interesting. So crystal ball now, where where do you see it headed? More of the same kind of settling out? Like, I don't think we've settled out yet, back to your point of when COVID was really over. And, you know, I think that as we get into next year, it's hard to even look at year over year comparisons because the last three to four years have been all over the place. There's no, there's no consistency to reference. Maybe next year at this time, we could look back and go, okay, last August, last September, there was some consistency. Here's what things are starting to net out as. When you guys look at your business go forward, is it more of the same growth, a balance. What, what, what's your crystal balls look like, Alex? Well, I think from an overall market perspective, you know, there's a lot of talk right now about, you know, the <clears throat> commercial vacancy. You know, so commercial real estate, the, the, gu- the gutting of the downtown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's not just in Calgary and Edmonton. That is everywhere, every major and even secondary market. But especially places like New York and Boston and Toronto and Vancouver and <clears throat> whatever. And so. Um, You know, I think at the end of the day, that's probably going to impact pension funds and banks a lot more than it is other businesses. Hmm. Um, You know, I don't know. I'm not an economist, so I don't want to pretend to know like that major stuff, but I'm not sure if they know either. But what I do know is that they're just predicting the future also. And every once in a while, they're right. So you're in good company. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But what I do know is that, you know, it's like there are things that landlords and stuff have said. So it's like two thirds of commercial landlords are implementing flex 
which is kind of the term that they're using for like similar stuff to what we do, flex. Um, and the basically, of, being the ability to avoid a long-term lease. <laughs> yeah, and so they're looking to build that into their buildings. Um, they're looking at it as part of uh, green strategies. You know, you use space more efficiently, and there's less waste, and because you have you know shared amenities and blah 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 blah. blah. And so, and it's a lot of people. I think the industry general, generally seems to agree that you know, like flex is going to make up a larger portion <laughs> of commercial real estate. Okay. Um, I think that landlords that try and do it themselves are going to fuck it up, but they're doing it. And, you know, they're seeing that it's like, hey, there's a demand for this. Because what we are seeing, especially in major markets, we're seeing office vacancy increase, but we're also seeing the demand for flex increase. So people are leaving office and going into flex. But there's a big difference between shared office space and co-working, which you and I think I've talked about before. <laughs> yeah, I think like, and I think the real thing that makes it work is that that middle, you know, between, I like to say it's like this middle between like kumbaya and, and business model, you know? And so <laughs> it's like, you know, you need, you know, <clears throat> for us, I think, and well, and said another way, I think it's, an, it's a hospitality approach versus a real estate approach, right? Okay. We are not. Oh, I like a, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're not a real estate company, period. You know, despite occupying a ton of real estate, um, relatively to many, but yeah, when I think when we approach it from a people hospitality side of it, it changes the game. Back to your, since we're going to play economist and banker here a little bit today, which which you've been making some references. So, talk to me about even some of the challenges of building a business that's a hospitality business, which is notoriously a tough industry to be in, and you're either winning or you're losing, and the margins are tall, small and all that, versus a real estate business where ultimately at the end of the day, you run your business at the end, you've got this asset left over. <laughs> and that's a bad way to say it, but you've rented it, you've leased it, you've you've paid out your mortgage, you've run it, and now all of a sudden you have this building that's worth you know, a lot of people. That's how they built their wealth. They bought that building for a million bucks, and now X amount of years later, it's worth five million, and you paid it off on the journey. Where the hospitality model in that business, that's a very different, you know, back to the culture. If you have a great culture to show for it at the end, who's going to pay you for that? Or how can you borrow against it? And how do you justify that in your mind? And we're going way down the rabbit hole now, the balance sheet versus the P&L versus even the business model. How do you, how do you look at that as a business owner that's sitting more on the hospitality side? Yeah. It's an interesting thing because you're right. Because we also don't own real estate. Right. And so we, we lease the stuff that we occupy. I think there's opportunities for us now as we're growing and we take on larger chunks that, you know, hey, we can look at that stuff going forward. But, you know, until somewhat recently, that wasn't even remotely. But those would literally be two separate businesses. There's the real estate holdings over here and then there's the hospitality business. And the, t- the two can benefit from each other, but they're different business models completely. Yes, exactly. And <clears throat> it's been really, really important. And especially people who are in real estate, they look at this and they say, you have to own the real estate for this to work. I'm like, no, that's the problem. If it only works if you own real real estate, then it doesn't work. Right. And so okay. it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's been really important to me the whole time, one out of necessity, but two out of, I just want the business to work that, you know, it has to work whether you own or not. And I never want to make a decision based on potential ownership or otherwise we haven't had to do that yet, but you know, I never want to, but okay. in terms of how to justify it, it's an interesting thing. Like if you look at our financial statement, you know, for most people, uh, rent <coughs> would be, you know, an op, you know, OPEX, right? Not yep. cost of goods. Yours, Whereas, I was going to say, yours is the cost of the product. It's cost right? of goods, yeah. You know, so our cost of goods is like through the roof, 
you know, because there's stuff that sits there which would normally sit, you know, you know, underneath that on an actual yeah, which, which makes your gross margin look skewed in that context. Yeah. Right. And so it's a very interesting model. But as we talk to landlords and especially we talk to like landlords, banks, because, you know, in some cases we occupy over 50% of buildings that we're in. Okay, so you're, you're, you get on somebody's radar. <laughs> yeah. And so we... You know, we they're like, hey, can you talk to our lenders? And we're like, yeah, sure, we're happy to. And so, you know, they get freaked out because they're like, oh, you have one tenant that occupies a huge chunk of this building. And once we actually get into and explain it to them, it's like, you know, in many ways, it's not just one company. You know, there are literally hundreds of companes here. So yeah, it's you're, like, you're, you're collating it for them. <laughs> right. You know, so it's like there mm. we're, we're in many ways, we're isolating the risk. Um, from both the landlord and the lender, especially in a market where, you know, there's a lot of doubt and uncertainty around space and longevity. And the pandemic also taught a lot of people that covenant doesn't matter. You know, like, mm-hmm. unless you're a huge company <clears throat> publicly traded, where there's, you know, significant ramifications to um, not meeting your obligations, you know, like share price and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like for in many cases, though, people are like, yep, you know, we're leaving and that's about it. And, you know, and for us, it's like, well, what better covenant is there than diversification? Like, that's fundamentally what you want. And so, you know. I don't know. Do, so lend, do, do, do lenders get that? Like, it makes sense the way you say it, but I'm sitting, I'm imagining the banker sitting across from me going, yeah, great, but that doesn't fit into the way we look at the world. Or do they? Uh, they get it, especially if we can get them to, to walk around and, and feel it, okay. you know, because <clears throat> I think they'll look at it. Give like, them an office, give them an office, give them a desk for a week and let them come in and feel it for themselves. Yeah. You know, you can't experience what you do. You, there is an experience. There's an, it's, it's hugely experiential back to the hospitality piece. I can walk around an empty building and go, Oh, it's either it has nice fixtures or it doesn't, but I've been in your office many times. Like you feel it when you come in. You do feel it. And I, you know, cause you know, honestly, I don't even think we're like the best operators of space. We could be a lot more efficient. We could be a lot better, which we're working on. I think we're great, but I think we could be better. You yeah, know, I appreciate but it, this. Looking <laughs> like a true entrepreneur and business yeah. owner. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, you know, it is that it is that feeling. Like it's like when you come in, you feel it and you know it. Like oh, this this literally does just feel different. And so I think they get that because their their other context is just uh, you know Regis IWG or WeWork. You know, and so they, they see that stuff, and so they ask questions. And so on one hand, it's, you know, people always ask, like, oh, are you worried about, especially, well, we talked about this, I think, four years ago, whatever it was. When we <laughs> totally. Back in, back, literally back in the day. <laughs> yeah. You know, and we were excited for WeWork to come because, you know, there's they get to spread the good word about co-working and so on and so forth. And um, now it's starting to flip where people are like, oh, shit, office, like generally, let alone um, co-work. You know, so I think like from a commercial real estate perspective, yeah, lending is tightening up. So it's, it's harder for landlords to borrow money. Um, the overall economy is pessimistic about office space generally because yeah. they don't know where the stuff is going to land. And so um, I think there are a few people that kind of see the opportunity for what flex can do. But there's also not a lot of great, like great operations out there because, you know, there's there's the you know, the huge like WeWorks and Regis's and whatever else. Um, there's a lot of really small, independent, single kind of one-off operations. And there's not a lot of people that play in the middle kind of like where we are that have like, you know, a little bit of scale and stuff that, which I actually think you need in order to sustain this thing, you know, um, 
you need some economies of scale and um, we you need to be able to take on like bigger chunks of of space in order to make that whole thing work. Well, back to your comment about one to a hundred, you, you can't have 8,000 square feet and then expect to entertain a conversation with a large organization that's like, okay, if I want to plug 50 people in there tomorrow, can we do it? And you're like, oh, well, uh, maybe not. Like there, there is a, you know, big, big needs big to, to function, right? There, there has to be some, there has to be some like in there. Um, you, I, I know you're in a, well, I do want to talk about WeWork a little bit, but we'll park that to the end. Well, if anyone wants to hang on and listen to the end, we can, we'll do a little bit of a, of a follow-up chat on that. Um, four, four outposts. I love you call them outposts. Four outposts in Calgary and two, and two in Edmonton. What are we looking at? Is, are those markets, are they, are they being fulfilled at this point? And what's the, I don't know. Is there other parts of Canada that might be of interest to you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so being fulfilled, I think there's still opportunities to grow in, in both places. Um, okay. I would love to get back into downtown Calgary at some point. You know, I think uh, I, I'm a big believer that downtowns will not die. You know, I think they just need to change and have a Do little bit Do you have anything on the plus 15 right now? No. Okay. We, um, <clears throat> We used to have a spot that was like n- technically not on it. It was a building right beside it. It was technically, but yeah. it was on the like west end Within, of downtown. Uh, easily accessible by, by the plus 15. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and that was the first spot, the 8,000 square foot spot I mentioned. That was uh, yeah. effectively our first spot. But during pandemic, <clears throat> we exited that for um, anyway, a number of reasons. It was owned by Strategic. Mm-hmm. There's a whole story about Strategic, but that's fine. Um, yeah, so I think anyone who lives in Calgary and played in real estate knows knows stories about Strategic. But we'll leave that. That's not that's not what today's podcast is about. No, <laughs> thank goodness. <laughs> but yeah, so it's like um, I think that yeah, there's still lots of opportunity if that's where we want to grow. But interestingly, you know, like we this is like the worst kept secret ever. But we've been kicking tires in both Tor- <laughs> Toronto and Vancouver. Okay, uh, cool. And those would have been two markets that would have been at the bottom of the list pre-pandemic for me. Um, oh, interesting. Okay, why is that? Um, <clears throat> few reasons. One would have been uh, office vacancy was basically zero in both markets, <laughs> and so I tried to know. negotiate once. And I we used to have an office in which we shut down in Liberty Village, and I I I, and I just negotiated in Calgary where there was some opportunity, and I remember saying to the landlord, I was talking to the agent, I was like, so, and he's like, he just put his hand, and he goes, are you? Are you about to try to negotiate? He goes, I'm just going to stop wasting your time. I think I've told you this story. Um, I got a lineup of people. Do you want this space or not? Like, honestly, take it or leave it. I don't really care. I was like, okay. I had to like course correct my whole mindset. <laughs> in a right? minute. He literally I know. Up his hand. He's like, are you about to negotiate? I'm just going to stop you right now from wasting your time. <laughs> it's just so funny Shut to me. Shut me that- down like a small child. <laughs> <laughs> and they've just never had to deal with what they're yeah. dealing with and will deal with in the future. And and now they've also made enemies out of everybody. So it's like this. Uh, the adversarial landlord, tenant. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. That's a broken model all day long. In my opinion, it, it absolutely is. Yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. so I think office vacancy is one thing. Um, but as we said, like demand for what we do is another one. And so I think that, uh, but also I think we can, we can do it now. I think, uh, I think, you know, but whereas in the past, um, again, it was different. I think we, if we had went before we would have started too small and I think that would have been very difficult to sustain. And so one, I guess it's like. Yeah, I think really we, we can take on big chunks, which also helps. So even though vacancy is increasing, we'll also take on enough square footage that landlords will care, right? We'll take on a floor or two, 
right? Well, you know? the, the, the phenomenon of bigger numbers, right? I was talking to someone the other day, like if you don't make the project big enough, you're not going to get anybody to pay attention to it. <laughs> totally. And so I think they'll they'll look and they're like, oh, wow, you want... Because we won't even look at anything that's less than 25,000 square feet now. 20, okay, well, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's your major tenant. Ter- you're an anchor tenant territory, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Especially now, because I'm guessing average size of leases are declining. And so yeah, for yeah, us, yeah. it's going up. And so, yeah, so Toronto and Vancouver... Um, that's part of the reason. And then two, as our membership base has increased here, a lot of those companies have operations in one of those two places, either headquartered or another remote team or otherwise. And so um, for us, and that wasn't the case before because like there were some, but we were just smaller, right? It's a lot different when you have 1,400 well, you're, you're You're broadening your value proposition to those larger the larger companies. That's it. Simply put. Yeah. 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 So oh, if this works things. here, we can do it everywhere else. Oh, no, we can't. That's a detriment in a conversation like that, for sure. Mm-hmm. Big time. Yeah, yeah so very, I guess we'll very, see. Very, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> time, time, time will tell. Yeah. Uh, no, I appreciate the transparency and the willingness to kind of to kind of talk about it and like this the hybrid version, the people being able to do it like that. That is where you know I've talking. I, I I had an executive. Um, I'm in an executive group and we have speakers in, and this gentleman did everything around just demographics. That was his research, and he's like, yeah, you you know, it's 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 predicting the future by understanding the past. And he we got into the work remote, and he's like, you just look at it generationally this autonomy, this hybrid model. He goes, there's no way that that can't be the future because these cohorts are going to demand it. He goes, it's just that simple. He goes that you. You can argue it and there's outliers, but he goes, ultimately at the end of the day, the mass, the, 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 the mass here, not the fringe is going to demand that level of autonomy. And you just got to deal with it as a business owner. Well, and I think too, it's like, like, yes, it's good to listen to the demand and to <clears throat> anticipate that demand. But I'm like, why, why do it? Like, to me, that means you're doing it only because you have to do it. I'm like, understand why it's better. <laughs> right like it will if you lean yeah, into yeah, it yeah. you do it right like you will have better people and then they'll be happier and they'll be there longer and they'll be more productive right but just shoving them at home because they say they want to be at home doesn't make them more productive either because if they're not happy and bought into what they're doing for you as a company or like what you're doing as a company together like they're not going to be more productive because and the only reason they want to be at home is so they can be less productive and get away with it and that's not shame on the worker, per se. It's like, give people a reason to give a shit, you know? Absolutely. If you take a sub, if it's not working, if your workflow, just at the most simplest level of just how people work together, isn't really working in the office, it's not going to get better when you go home. Like, I think that's half of our success around it was that... All, I would say out of the, like most of the tools we use, they were highly underutilized. Like so many, everyone gets Slack and Asana and they get all the things and they, but nobody uses it or they use it 10%. Totally. During COVID, we were forced now because that was the only way we could connect with each other on a project basis. Like I joke, COVID helped me do in a week what I couldn't do probably two years was get adoption on some of these digital platforms. <laughs> but the, you know, some of the problems we had in the office got exaggerated, but people went, oh, okay, I guess this is the best way to get it done. So a lot of those things, you know, people like, oh, remember when we're back in the office? I'm like, it wasn't working right then either, but you were sideswiping process. You were just doing drive-by briefings. You weren't following the process, which now at home lended and people and the ones that really hated it, they left. And I, I say that very respectfully, like that's great. And when we hire now, we posted two jobs the other day. We had a thousand resumes in 72 hours. And I don't know what that tells me, except something about our value proposition. And they were, these were not like it was graphic designer role. Like they were good roles for us, but they were not 
senior level and they weren't entry level either you had to have kind of that three to five years experience and and but they were from all over the place and for us all of a sudden now the vetting wasn't geography but you know taking that individual and you know i find one of the first questions i get for people they're like okay this isn't a bait and switch right you're not going to force me to go back so when you attract people that that's what they've they're on it's a different model and i think that autonomy of like some people want to blend blend of both but the need to do things better you were probably getting away with stuff in the office that just gets amplified when you go to for home. Lack to your point about not being intentional. Well, I love what you said. Like you got a thousand applicants for two jobs in 72 hours. Like tell me again, how it's hard to hire. Like, <laughs> like I was blown away over a long weekend. I might add, I was expecting to get maybe 50 residents. Like I didn't really know, but I'm like, let's post it on a Friday before a long weekend and see what happens. We had to turn it off because my administrator was like, this is insane. I can't even deal with this. Like we're swamped. See, there's a little, like, oh, I love that, man. Cause it's like, people want to work at good places to work, period. Like period. <laughs> back, yeah. Back to keep it simple. <laughs> you know, um, hospitality, lots of people complain about, and I'm not saying our industry, like restaurant, right? Restaurant yep. complain. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard, Pe- I've heard those. Yeah. Right. People are like, oh, I can't hire. I can't find good people. My people don't want to come back after the pandemic and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, there's, there's two people I know. Like, well, actually, okay. I know more than two people. Two, these two people that I know, <laughs> one of them in has the case a, of this example, yes, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> There's a yes. You know, one one person owns a restaurant, and that's what he is. He's like struggling to get everybody back, so on and so forth. Um, the other one is uh, Ernie at Trolley Five on Seventeenth, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. he's like all of their people wanted to come back. I mean, I haven't talked to them about hiring, but they they have not struggled to hire and bring people on because. You know, creates a place that people want to be. High expectations. He is he is a, hey, I expect a lot from you. We're going to work hard. We're going to get cool shit done as a team. But people buy into it. Do they stay there forever? Do they move on? Not necessarily, but he's creating this place that people want to be and go and grow. You know, he likes to grow people. And so it's just, it's like if you create a place that people want to be, they'll, they'll want to be there. And so um, don't blame you know, just it's the classic thing, right? It's like you're a yeah, leader. Yeah. Take responsibility and accountability. If you don't like something, Extreme change it. Ownership. It out. Yeah, it's so easy to blame an external. Oh, well, clearly it was nice out today. That's why people didn't come in. I'm like, really? Do you think you're going to blame the weather? Do you think that's what? That's kind of the equivalent in my mind. It's so there's true. Other, there's other factors at play. I love hey, that. Let's circle back a little bit. What is happening? And I'm out of the loop intentionally because I was like, I got exhausted of the whole fiasco, the circus. What's going on at WeWork? Do you have any uh, insights or shares or like you made the joke earlier about the saga continues and we we talked about the first version of the saga four years ago. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, timing for this is is it, very interesting. So yesterday, okay. uh, WeWork announced that like it as an organization said that um, we have substantial doubt over our ability, about our ability to be a going concern or remain a going concern. So okay. that that's a that's a potential bankruptcy flag in completely in, you know corporate speak. Um, also, ironically, yesterday was International Co-working Day, so I just find that interesting. Um, <laughs> Time, you know, life and timing in life is very it's, it's a factor that is interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting, and I think lots of people you know would hmm. will say to me like, "Oh wow, aren't they, isn't that great? Aren't you excited?" I'm like, no, like, you know, they, they occupy millions of square feet of office space. They will have a huge impact in major markets if they actually were to go bankrupt. And that certainly doesn't do us any favors, um, you know, in my opinion. And so, um, we'll see, but I think like their issues started long ago. And when you sign 10 or 20 year leases, it's like how, 
how do you change that unless you can go and <clears throat> renegotiate and so i think them raising this flag now is gonna make landlords and lenders and stuff be like okay we we gotta talk to them because if they yeah i appreciate this i appreciate the strategy it's like you want do you want zero or do you want to negotiate (laughs) exactly and so i'm curious to see what ends up happening there because you know in having some of those conversations during the pandemic with some of our landlords saying hey do you want us here or not um some don't care so i'm curious to see what ends up happening and so um you sign. Yeah. You sign the contract. Pay the pay the lease. Pay the lease rate. Yeah, that kind of thing. But yeah, but it's so funny. They've never, they, um, they've never really been able to write that ship. Is what you're saying? Mm-hmm. No, they've they are still not profitable um, <clears throat> at their height. And I don't know if you've watched We Crashed at all. It's a great documentary. I did. I did. Um, yes, I did. Yeah, I did. You know. Mm-hmm. So as you know, and even if you haven't watched it, if you've been following the story at all, you know they were forty. I think forty-seven billion valuation was what they raised at at the peak. And as of last night, I haven't looked today, <clears throat> but as of last night, their market cap was two hundred and sixty million. Um, from forty-seven point, billion, <laughs> point point two six billion from forty-seven, and they have over six hundred buildings. So when you average that out, it's like that's five hundred thousand dollars or less per location value, assuming corporate brand and tech have no value and no no yeah. ip none of that, right which is obviously also not true and so um it's just like it's it is a scary thing for them now market cap doesn't really you know mean anything day to day it's just market sentiment really mm-hmm. you know but um but it's, it gives it gives us a measuring stick right to go oh it was here and now it's here so i appreciate what, what like it's like i can have a broken scale but as long as it's consistent i'll know, I'll know where i was and where i've been <laughs> totally so yeah. i don't really know what's going to happen i think that there's okay. going to be more more pain um <clears throat> is it a too big to fail type of a company I don't think so. We've seen bigger companies. We've seen U.S. banks fail recently. And, you know, so uh, especially when this is so spread out, you know, Mm -hmm. so like it's just they're in, I think, 33, uh, 30 plus countries. And so it's kind of like, you know, who's who's to say, you know, so I think that um, I I want them to do well personally. But there's been talk that Adam Newman, who's the founder that was like bought out or forced out or whatever, um, there's been talk that he's going to buy it and like reboot it. So if you watch any of the documentaries about him, that is a whole other bag of tricks, <laughs> right? It's interesting. So wow. I guess every cult needs a leader. Uh, anyway, um, sorry. Did I say that aloud? No. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Be yeah, interesting. Yeah. It, 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 I do recommend people watching the documentary. It's like watching the smartest guys in the room, watching any of those documentaries that's on the Enron fiasco, any of those mm-hmm. documentaries where they really get in and kind of unpack like what happened. If you're in business, there's always lots to be learned <laughs> and you recognize little that you like, Oh, okay. I recognize where that moment they were just drinking their own Kool-Aid so hard that what else could they do? And and everyone else is drinking it too, right? And to use that, that maybe I gotta stop using that reference. That reference is the Kool-Aid reference is quite dated. And if you have to explain it, it's very dark. So I, I will read <laughs> that track. It's a very dark. Uh, what what does that mean? I'm like, uh, go look it up. I don't want to tell you. <laughs> yeah, fair. You know, it's interesting though. Like a lot of people, like you know, did Adam do everything right? Absolutely not. Like it, it is a crazy story. And I think from what I, everything I've like read and seen, you know, not that I was close to it all, but it seems like we crash was pretty accurate. But the one thing that is like, you know, he was building a thing. He was selling a vision. He was <clears throat> talking to and raising money from very, very smart people 
with yep. unlimited virtually unlimited resources. Um, they gave them billions of dollars and said, keep doing what you're doing. Just do more of it and do it faster. And then everybody's pissed that he did. And the documentary does capture that for sure. It doesn't, it doesn't miss that, that narrative of like, what do you mean? I was doing exactly what I was supposed to do basically. Hmm. You know? So I think like, yeah, take some ownership. You're the leader. You're, you're, you know, but at the same time, um, people gave him money and he did it. And, you know, you were thrown money into something that had a fundamentally flawed model. I think the product itself is good. I think you just, you thought you could overspend your way out of it. And that's the issue is that you just, they just never had locations that could be profitable like it's just it's it it doesn't mean that there's not like demand for it or that people will spend a lot of money for it you just you just overspent to do it and like you know so it's a perfect example of the concept there could be nothing wrong with the concept but your business model that you created to engage with this idea and this concept that you helped create or help drive forward just wasn't sustainable like those are those are two different phenomenons but it's the risk is like oh see i told you co-working didn't work well wait a second this this business version of it didn't work but the concept is a different thing and I don't, know, I don't know if you know yourself, Alex, as well as I know myself, but if you give me unlimited money, consistently tell me I'm good looking, smart, and, and awesome, I'm going to get right out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, right. I'm, I'm just going to be blunt about it. I'm old enough now to know that that is what would happen. <laughs> yeah. I love what it. do you mean? You told me I was the smartest, prettiest person in the room. Of course, I'm going to do all these crazy things. <laughs> and Bang you gave me an on. unlimited checkbook, man. Holy hell. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I would say I, I would challenge the person who would put their hand up to say, no, no, I would have, I would have not done that i'm like really okay yeah, okay <laughs> exactly not a chance yeah anyway so not to yeah exactly it's always easier to point and go look at him look what he did oh my god i would i would have never done that <laughs> if we've all watched lord of the flies we all know when things have devolved to a certain level we'll all we're all capable of some not some, some very poor behavior <laughs> exactly exactly yeah, just reference jim jones and lord of the flies i'm going way back now <laughs> we are, we are, someone was forced you to read that somewhere in your schooling i know uh, they don't do that Alex, anymore no, I guess not. I guess I was. Yeah, I, I, I read it, and I think I watched the old, uh, the, the old black and white movie of it somewhere. I was stuck up late in a hotel room, couldn't sleep one night, and watched Lord of the Flies. Good for you. Anyways, yeah, I think Robinson Family Adventures right after that. But um, <laughs> so it's Family Robinson. Yeah, that's what it is. Alex, so good to have you on, man. It's been too long, and you know, luckily we do live in a, in, a, in, a, in an amazing community where we do get to run into each other. So I've had the opportunity totally. to be at your space and see what you've and feel and experience what you've created. And and I think that for anybody who is curious about it, maybe it's not for you, but behooves you to be curious about it because we live in a world now, there is no set formula of what work looks like. And I love that. And I think the opportunity for individuals to go, hey, this is what it looks like for me. And then find the place that allows you to accommodate that. That's pretty empowering. Back to the word, just the concept of agency. It is. I couldn't agree more. I think that it's, it's cool to see people that come in that have yet to experience anything like work nicer and see that initial moment of realization. Again, it's this constant reminder of that, like, Oh, like we're still doing something that is quite new for a lot of people, even though it feels so routine and so regular, not boring or not that we're not bought into it. Just a great reminder. It gets gets normalized because you live in it every day. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah. And see, see, see people come alive, like going, going to the, the carnival for the first time. You're like, oh my God, this is so exciting. It's not what I expected. <laughs> it's so true. No, and it's not like a carnival. That's a bad metaphor, but it's a lot of fun. Like there's a good energy in your play. I say that actually, I know I'll stick with my carnival comment because there's a lot of fun and there's like, hey, there's a dog over there. And then there's somebody talking over there and there's somebody presenting over there. Like it, there's a lot of things going on. It's a very stimulating environment, which I, my ADD loves your environments very much. It's very cool. And I'm always <laughs> running to cool people that I know there. So that's awesome too. Oh, I agree. It is awesome. 
Um, worknicer.com. You guys have a great website. You got information. If anybody wants, is just dying to reach out. Do you have a preferred chat? Are you a LinkedIn guy? Do you like emails? Like, do you have, do you have a, do you have a, a preferred form of communication? Uh, I am so slow on all of those things. Email. I now have help with email. So emails, totally awesome. It's all about team, man. It's all about team. It is about team. So yeah, email is totally, totally great. Uh, LinkedIn, I, po- I will probably eventually get there. Um, nice. so one of those two things is always good. Okay, fair enough. And do you, do you want to throw your email out there to the world? Yeah, sure. Sorry. It's alex at, and then my last name, com. So alex at com. P-U-T-I-C-I for anyone who's curious. And it was just dying to message you. I never want to hold back. I appreciate you putting out your email on, on, on the air. Uh, alex, good to get to know you. Always um, know you, get to know you better when we have these conversations. Congratulations on kind of surviving and thriving. And thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you again, man. Great to see you.